principles that Jesus gave us. Now these, some of the truth of the nature of the kingdom. Now I have left the, the first of the parables from Matthew chapter 13 because Matthew 13 has most of it, is, all of it I would say, is about the kingdom parables. But I have left the first one deliberately towards the end because in many ways um, it is the, the watershed, it is the watershed, it is considered the watershed of the parables, of the kingdom parables. Now in our series we have already spoken about seeds and weeds and soils and growth in, and we looked at the rest of them in, chapter, in Matthew 13 and in other Gospels as well. But this one remains one of, one of the better known parables. It is in fact mentioned in Matthew, in Mark and in Luke with some slight variations and applications in each. So this morning will be a, a, a revision, I suppose, from some of the stuff that we've covered, but also and, and a reminder of old truths, but we will also be exploring new lessons that God has for us in his wonderful word. Now those of you who are a little bit older, um, some of you are here, uh, in the 80s, there was an uh, ad campaign promoting the use of a new product line, uh, synthetic motor oil by Castrol. Now, the famous punchline was, oils ain't oils. You remember that, right? And, and it was to, to sell the message that not all motor oils are the same, that some oils are supposedly better for your engines, for your motor engines, than others. Well, this morning we are going to see the importance of not oils but soils, soils for the yield of the crops. This parable that we have before us is not so much about the sower or the seed, as important as they are, it's really about the soils and the differences between them. So we could say, and in fact one of the ads of from the 80s actually ends up with soils ain't soils. The soil represents, you see, the condition of the human heart. And just like there are different kinds of soils, there are also many different types of spiritual heart conditions. If you think you have a heart problem, Physically, I'm speaking, and important, that's important, right? But it is also very important, in fact, a lot more important, that you measure your heart's condition according to God's word, because the condition of a spiritual heart is infinitely more important than your physical heart. So hopefully this morning will give us an opportunity to look at that as we look through the surgeon of surgeons, Jesus Christ. The seed is the good news about Jesus, the ultimate word of the kingdom. This living word is his life, which is 
is, is, is literally seminal um, because it is the life from which all other life springs. He is the one who gave life to all living things and he is the one who gives life to all spiritual things as well. King Jesus is ushering into reality the ultimate kingdom by forgiving rebel sinners like you and me and granting us full citizenship through his sacrifice, through the cross, in his blood. And the way the word of God works is like this seed which is implanted in the heart. Today, if you go for a drive and, or if you, you spend some time in farms, you will know that there are agricultural implements. There's a tractor and there's all these implements which are towed behind a tractor. And some of these implements are you know, pretty modern and they do all types of different things. Some of them put... They scrape the, the surface. It puts all in one go, right? It, it puts the seed directly in the ground and then it adds a fertilizer on top of the seed and then it covers the soil all in one go as it's been dragged by the tractor. But it wasn't like this the time of the parable that Jesus is telling us, and it's still not like this in many parts of the world, obviously. Now, the farmer, the modern farmer can avoid planting seed in those spots of poor soil or where there are weeds. But the farmer, the sower in the parable, throws his seed everywhere. And uh, this, this seed is going all over the place as he just scatters it. In a way, he doesn't care as long as he keeps throwing the seed out there. And likewise, this gospel continues to be scattered throughout the whole world. Today, there are billions who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in one way or another. Many of us have grown up with this seed scattered in the soil of our hearts. It might have been in the home, especially if we were brought up in a Christian home, through the church, through Sunday school, through the school, through scripture, through television, through a tract perhaps that we received, through a a Gideon's Bible in a hotel through multimedia. And this seed continues to spread liberally, being spread and scattered throughout the world. Even so, as the gospel is spread far and wide, there are still far too many people who've never heard. There are many reasons for that and one of the big reasons obviously is many parts of the world there is no access, there is no freedom for people to have access to the gospel. 
This morning we are dealing with where the seed has landed. In other words, those who have been given an opportunity to hear, to see, to hear, to and to understand the wonder of the gospel. In verses 1 and 2, this is what we read. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And that opens up the rest of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is having a wonderful preaching opportunity here from the boat in the water and to the crowds who were sitting there and standing on the beach. And in these, these first nine verses, Jesus tells the parable to the crowds and the disciples there are listening and they are part of the crowds. But the interpretation uh, is given to his disciples in private. The rest of the crowds, they don't listen to the interpretation that Jesus gives. His disciples and we, we receive the interpretation. So we, we, we've spoken about already about the, the revealing and concealing aspects of Jesus' teaching and, and he speaks about those in, in those middle verses. We've spoke about those middle verses in, in, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, or sorry, the mustard seed and the leaven. But we won't be covering those today. Let me just say that it is only by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit that we hear the good news and we receive it as good news. Jesus, this is why Jesus says in verses 16 to 17, and I hope you can, you can, you can appreciate and be thankful for, for this to God, right? It's a great verse. It's a great verse. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Why? For I truly tell you that many prophets and righteous people, good people, Godly people, they long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. How privileged you are. I hope you can appreciate that. Jesus was saying it then and Jesus is saying it to us now. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. I hope you consider yourself blessed in this respect and in so many other different ways, right? So let's look at the four different soils or the hearts through Jesus' parables and then the application. So first part, I will read the parable and then I will, go, I will jump in each aspect. I will jump straight to his application. So in verse 3, oh, we start with the first condition, which is the hard hearts. Uh, verse 3, then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came 
and ate it up. And in verse 18, we jump to the application. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The path is trodden down. It is, it is hard and compacted by traffic. It goes back and forth. A seed falling there really is going to struggle because it has no opportunity to, to penetrate, to, let alone to send down any, any roots. And as the seed lays exposed on the path, it would simply be crushed underfoot by those who travel on top of it and easy pickings for the birds. There are many birds who will just come and, and find easy eating all these different seeds. And Jesus tells us that the birds represent the evil one. Who is the evil one? The evil one is the devil who snatches away the word of those hearts that are hardened. Easy pickings for the evil one. The problem with this heart is that over time it has grown hard and closed to the truth. The word comes, but they do not understand it. The idea is not that they could not grasp the truth, but that they don't even try to grasp the truth. It's not like they say, well, I don't understand it, let me go back and and read it again and again and again. There are some books that I I read, especially... um, theological books and they, I read it once and I read it twice and three times and I still don't get it. My goodness. Uh, and you've got to go back again. What, what is it that he's saying? Because there is, there is I, I need to know what he's trying to say. I need to concentrate on what I'm reading. But for many people... They don't even say, ha, oh, they just dismiss it. They don't even try to. They don't even take the time to search and, and to understand it. It's simply dismissed. Ha, eh, too busy. It's too hard. So what's hard? Is it what you're reading or the condition of your heart? What is it that you're saying? The story is told of uh, William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was a, a politician, an MP uh, in the British Parliament, uh, the great crusader for the abolition of slavery, of slavery throughout the British Empire. On one occasion, he brought his non-Christian friend, Prime Minister William Pitt, to hear a great evangelist of the day. Uh, a guy called Richard Cecil. 
And he invited him to go and hear Richard Cecil because he was a, a passionate preacher for the gospel and he, in the hope that his friend William Pitt will, will, that his ministry will have an impact and that he would become a Christian. On this occasion, on this occasion, Cecil was preaching at his very best. He was passionate, he was forceful, and, and he, he was clear, he was articulate. And while Wilberforce was just taking it all in, right? That he was just uh, thrilled with the preaching. It was great, it was wonderful, and he was taking it all in. At the same time, he was wondering what was happening with his friend that he invited, William Pitt, the Prime Minister. What was happening in his heart as he was listening to the presentation of the Gospel? So the service finished and as they were walking home, uh, Wilberforce waits for what William Pitt will say. So he turns to him and says, um, before even Wilberforce could ask him, Pitt turns to him and says, you know, Wilberforce, I haven't the slightest idea what that man was talking about. Despite the fact that the gospel presentation was crystal clear, despite the fact that William Pitt was a good man, he was a good man, he actually helped Wilberforce in his task of the abolition of slavery, despite the fact that he was an intelligent, brilliant man, he was not able to understand the gospel. Sad, isn't it? Jesus says at the end of this parable, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Sometimes we wish that we knew more about how faith works. And, and let me just say that the discussion on the, on the will, on the, on the whole subject of the will, the human will, is, is, is tremendous. It has been going on for centuries. There's so many books written. It has been a theological discussion that's been going on for, for years and years. Because we, we still, and the scripture presents us both sides of the argument. Is it God's? Is it man's? How, how does it work? And to us, from a human's perspective, faith can seem like a mysterious thing. But the Bible also says that faith is a gift from above. Divine revelation. Revealing, concealing. At times, like I said before, you might hear people brush it off. Yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I used to go to Sunday school. I still don't get it. Eh. And you see, that's the problem. Hard soil, people can 
read Genesis through Revelation like any other book and not understand any of it. And you're saying, okay, well, so it's God's then. It's, it's, the Bible says in Romans 9, God can harden hearts like he hardened Pharaoh's heart. So it's, it's God hardening the hearts. It's his fault. Well, no, because the Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Matter of the will, right? The mystery. And the longer you leave it, and you say, well, I'm too young now, I'm having too much fun, and I don't want to think about God. The longer you just carry on with your life, you're having too much fun, just leave it for later, for later. What happens is that your heart becomes trodden, it becomes hardened becomes callous to truth. And the harder the heart becomes, the harder it becomes to believe. Let me challenge you. If you're here this morning or online, if you haven't surrendered to Jesus, I plead with you to embrace the gospel, the good news, before it is too late. before you become hardened against it. It is a privilege what you're hearing right now. It is a gift of God. Do not dismiss it. I plead with you. Secondly, the shallow heart. Shallow from verses 5 to 6 and 20 to 21. Verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. In verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground represents, refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the seed that falls on a, on a very thin layer of soil that sits on top of a, a bedrock. And when it rains, the, the, the thin layer uh, becomes saturated with, with moisture because the, the moisture sits on top and it's very fertile. Unfortunately, the moisture on top of the rock doesn't last very long. Once the sun comes out, it dries up also very quickly. And because it had no opportunity to to deepen its roots, it has nowhere to go. And when the rain stops, the sun comes up and it is scorched by the heat. It can be the picture of the person who hears quickly, and enthusiastically and quickly embraces the gospel of Jesus Christ. In contrast to the the hard soil person, the shallow person is hyper-responsive to the gospel. 
And you're saying, wow, you know, there could be tears. It's, it's emotionally charged. And I say, yes, I want it. I want it all. Give it to me now. It's all hot feelings. It's great to see as a pastor. I can tell you that now. It's wonderful. I say, wow, that's amazing. Unfortunately, in this particular soil, it only lasts for a short while. So when conditions become adverse, as it is inevitable, the enthusiasm begins to to decline, to, to fade. Suddenly the, the cost of following Jesus in the school or in the workplace is just a little bit too much to bear. The seed of the superficial heart simply cannot survive when the heat of trials is turned up. Can't do it. How many people do we know like this? Right? The course of our lives. In many ways, the times in which we live in today, uh, uh, this is rife. This is so descriptive of the age in which we live. The age of comfort, the age of success. We are so accustomed, even put up with shallowness in every aspect of life. Shallowness talks of being non-committal. We, we are not committed to one thing or another, to relationships, to work. We change from one thing to the next. We move on quickly. And in, in, in fact, it is the age of superficial Christianity. Crowds gather together in mega churches, churches that grow very quickly. We're not talking hundreds of people, we're talking thousands and tens of thousands. The crowds, the enthusiasm, the hype. And it's great to be there, I would imagine. The problem is that the back door of many of these churches is, is wider than the front door. People come in and just like a stadium, they leave. Many years ago, I heard someone describe the... They described Christianity as covering the whole of the US, but only an inch thick. Unfortunately, we can't even say the same thing of Australia because Christianity hasn't really covered the whole of our land in that way. But we can also, we can also see the results of a shallow faith as especially in times like today, many no longer follow Jesus because they are taken away by stupid ideas, philosophies that have infiltrated the church. You need deeper roots. You need a strong connection to the source of life, to his word. It's got to 
seep in your heart. If you want to leave shallow faith, you need to get into this book. Read it. Meditate upon it. Soak it in. And those bits that you don't understand, work on it. Pray on it. Ask questions about it. Read up on it. Try and understand it. Someone described, they said, uh, it's not the bits in the Bible that I don't understand that troubles me. They said it's the bits that I do understand that trouble me. Isn't it? Fellowship, prayer, Bible reading, take, take all this stuff seriously so that this seed that is planted in your heart will take root. That's the second soil. We'll go to the third one, the choked one, from verse 7 and then verse 22. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. In a, in, a, in a way, the problem here is not the soil. The soil is fertile. The issue is that once the seed starts to germinate and grow into a plant, the weeds spread and actually grow quicker than the seed and, and take away all the sunlight and the nutrients that it needs to keep growing. Even when you, you, you see this in your own gardens, right? Even when everything else in your garden is struggling, the weeds have a knack of just thriving. You don't need to work on them. They just come up naturally and crowd out the good things that you've planted. It just comes naturally. You, you weren't even looking for it. And what's more, they keep coming back, don't they? Even after you've weeded them out. And you're saying, well, I thought I, I would. No, nah, it's there again. Jesus mentions, and I want you to please pay attention on this. Jesus mentions two big problems here. He actually mentions them. He says, firstly, he mentions the worries of this life. You hear God's promises and you take it in and you trust him. And then you leave this place, you go home and, 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 and you look at the bills in the mail or in your email and then you look at your bank account and you say, it's not going to add up. Or, or, or suddenly you, you, you get a pain and you go to your doctor and your doctor wants to do some tests. And he sends you to a specialist. And while you wait for results, you ask yourself, you're losing sleep at night, and you're saying, what have I got? What have I got? 
All of a sudden, your worries begin to choke your faith, your trust in God's promises. Yes, yes, you've heard it from the pastor at church who said, and you've read it in Romans, the righteous will live by faith. But how does that apply to my situation right now? Anxiety, fear, worry, these are enemies of faith. Because faith is all about trusting God. Resting in his daily grace. And whenever we give in to worry, you, stu- you stop looking at our life in the light of the sure gospel of Jesus Christ. You start seeing it through your bank accounts and your doctor's assessment rather than trusting in God. The worries of this life can choke your faith very quickly. Second thing that Jesus mentions, we actually, with this one, we find ourselves on the opposite end of the issue of worry when Jesus mentions the deceitfulness of wealth. Here, the issue is not a lack of money. There's much, you have plenty of that. Your bank account is really fat, it's looking good. All your, you know, all your hens are laying plenty of golden eggs, okay? In fact, things are going so well, your investments are working so good, that retirement, you can actually bring it forward. And rather than dread the future, you are embracing it. I love this life. How good is it? How good am I? Right? In fact, things are going so good, you don't really need God. You don't have to put up with all those losers at church. I don't need to hang out with them. They're cramping my style. On the one hand, it's worry. On the other hand, the other danger is wealth. Wealth has a dangerous ability to take, to choke your faith in Jesus Christ. Suddenly, rather than serving him and his kingdom, rather than seeking first his kingdom and, 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 and trusting this, all these other things, will be given to you. You're saying, no, all these other things I've actually earned that wasn't given to me. Nobody gave me anything. You've heard that one. Suddenly you are distracted. And I've seen this even in Christians. I've seen it in my own life. Suddenly the things of this world begin to choke your faith. Somebody said it so well. Wealth is a wonderful servant when used for his glory, but wealth is a terrible master when he takes you under control. It is a terrible master. Be careful with the deceitfulness of wealth. 
in a country like Australia where even during this pandemic much of the world is really struggling to even put food on the table. You know, we have a government that says, no worries, we'll look after you and saying, well, that's great, we don't even need God because the government's looking after us. Be careful. Be careful. Fourth one, fruitful, verses 8 to 9 and verse 23, verse 8. This is the fruitful heart, right? Still other soil, other seed fell on good soil where it produced the crop. A hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred 60 and 30 times what was sown. Now after so much seed has fallen on bad spots, you have to wonder why there's any left, right? Good news is that some fell on good soil with nutrients, sunlight and moisture. Here the seed sends down good roots. It receives all it needs, it, the ideal conditions for it to grow. It begins to develop. And it yields a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was originally sown. This is the good result. This is what the sower was looking for. It wasn't just for show. It wasn't just a good-looking plant, but it actually produced a crop and it produced a harvest. And, 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 and the fact that this one produced 160 and 30, more than made up, it made up for all the other seed that was lost, was made up on the one that actually started to bear fruit. Now, if the gospel has really taken root in us, something must happen. Faith cannot just remain in this budding, beautiful form for show forever. There has to be a crop, there has to be a harvest. If our faith is real, then it must grow and it must bear fruit. It is part of the natural process. And what kind of fruit will one bear? Well, the Bible certainly mentions different kinds of fruit and I'm just going to name a few here. Practical holiness from Romans chapter 6 verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap, reap, harvest, fruit, leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. Bang. What's another fruit? Good works. Colossians 1.10 So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And of course, our first reading this morning, the fruit of the Spirit, which we know well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. They just roll off the tongue. But believe you me, <laughs> it's great, it's great to, to say it, how much more it is to actually live it and see it produced in people's lives. Against such things there is no law. But please note that not everyone will bear the same amount. And and this should relieve some of the pressure from us, right? There are those who bring forth a hundredfold and sixty and thirty. So perhaps instead of asking how much fruit will I produce, a better question would be What kind of soil are we showing ourselves to be? Let me encourage you to cultivate the faith that you have. Start working on those weeds. Soak yourself in God's words so that it bears more fruit. And pray for the the sun, the S-O-N, The sun, let the sun shine on you so that you may grow. Finally, finally, it's important to mention that Jesus is describing hearts, not lives. He's not saying that once a man is a certain kind of soil, he is therefore unchangeable, that his life is fixed forever. Like this. Why do I say that? And, and you might be even be shocked by me saying what I'm saying here. I, I say this because otherwise, where is conversion? Where is hope? Where is regeneration? His, somebody's heart may be like this at the start, but under God's providence... Hearts can change through the many circumstances of our lives. It is possible for a person over a lifetime, you and I have witnessed this, maybe you and I have lived this, it is possible for a person over a lifetime to pass through all four of these conditions. Sadly, sometimes back and forth, we've made all this progress and then went the other way. What Jesus is asking us is, what is your heart like when it hears my word? God sometimes changes hard, shallow, choked patches of dirt and makes them into fertile gardens. I'm not making this stuff up. Ezekiel 36.26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jeremiah has similar words. Let me give you some examples. Uh, Remember Moses for 40 years, after living in a palace for 40, his first 40 years, God sent him to the desert for 40 years, softening up, working him, working him, working him, 
until he appeared to him in the burning bush and then he called him for service. Remember the hardness of Paul's heart when Stephen was martyred and how Jesus worked on him on the road to Damascus. This is Paul who was reading, studied, remembered the word of God, the training he received and yet he did not understand the gospel. Hard as it gets, right? And then Jesus appears. And this is what Paul said. He went on to say in 1 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Remember how Job, the beginning of Job, chapter 1, Job was a good man. A good man. Yet through Losing it all through the, the, the grinder. God put him through the grinder. The enormous suffering God made him, God made a good man into a better man at the end. And let me say that God sometimes uses sandpaper. Sometimes he uses pruning shears. Sometimes he uses a chisel. And sometimes he uses a sledgehammer. You don't want to get a sledgehammer. But I know some people who have. He has all the tools in his shed, in God's shed, he has all the tools at his disposal. What am I going to use on Paul this week? Okay? Or on Ted? Not that one, Lord. Please, not that one. It's all his. So, brothers and sisters, do not read this passage and despair or, or, or grab your spiritual work gloves and try to change yourself. I don't, I, I'm not into giving self-improvement courses like Joel Austin, by the way. All right? I'm not into that. Or worse, leave this place and go and try, try and change somebody else. I'm going to hammer them away, you know. No. Instead, go to the gardener in prayer. Ask for yourself. Pray for yourself and for others to become the soil that God can work with and bring much fruit. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let God have his way. Amen.